0: Grab your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 11. We're actually gonna take a break from the book of Romans. We've been in Romans for the last several weeks and a couple of months. Uh, Here's how this is all working together. We started this year by talking about the renewed life and what does it mean to live as God's renewed people. Part of what I wanted to do was use the book of Romans as as the foundational text throughout the year to answer that question, to be the guide that, that unpacks what the renewed life looks like. But along the way, we're going we're gonna to take breaks and do these little sub-series that gives us an example of the renewed life, It allows us to look at it in more of a narrative form. And so if you remember at the beginning of the year, we introduced the concept of a renewed life uh, by looking at Romans 12, 1 and 2, and having a chance to really kind of look at this idea of devotion, discernment, and delight. But then once we walked through that, we stopped and we looked at the story of Ruth and Naomi. Remember that? So we had a little little break there, and we looked at an actual story that brought to life what the renewed life can look like. And so now that we've gone through a little bit of chapter 3 of the book of Romans, and we had that culmination last week with Easter Sunday, now we're going to take a break, and we're going to turn to the Old Testament. We're going to look at another story, and a story in particular today, that gives us a picture of the renewed life, gives us a picture specifically of how that renewed life is marked with devotion and commitment. We're going to look at the story of Abraham. And really the beginning part of his story. And and we'll use that as a way to talk through this question of devotion and delight today. But then it's also going to serve as a natural transition to what we're going to focus in on for the next few weeks. Which is, what does it mean to have a renewed family? The first part of the year is really giving us the opportunity to think about a renewed self a renewed personal life, this personal journey to the cross. But we want to begin to branch out from that. We're going to consider here in the next few weeks, what does it mean to have a renewed family? Uh, Later in the year, we'll talk about what does it mean to be a renewed church. And we're going to take these little sub-series to work into that. So we're going to look at Abraham's family over the next few weeks. What does it mean to live a renewed life as a father, as a mother, right? in marriage? In a family as a whole, we're going to to take a look at all those different questions from different angles by using the story of Abraham. So we'll take a few weeks walking through different sections of Genesis to do that, uh, but today we'll use this as an opportunity to take a look at how we see Abraham's life as such a model of devotion and commitment. So let's follow along in Genesis 11, starting in verse 27, and then we're going to read through Genesis 12, verse 9. Follow along with me in verse 27. It says, this is the account of Terah's family line. Terah became the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran became the father of Lot. While his father Terah was still alive, Haran died in Ur Ur of the Chaldeans, in the land of his birth. Abram and Nahor both married. The name of Abram's wife was Sarah, and the name of Nahor's wife was Milcah. She was the daughter of Haran, the father of both Milcah and Iscah. Now Sarah was childless because she was not able to conceive. Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarah, the wife of his son Abram, and together they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. But then they came to Haran, and they settled there. Terah lived 205 years, and he died in Haran. The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went to the Lord, went as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife, Sarah, his nephew, Lot, all the possessions they'd accumulated and the people they'd acquired in Haran and they set out for the land of Canaan and they arrived there. Now Abram traveled through the land as far as the side of the great tree of Morah at Shechem And at the time of the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said to your offspring, I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. And from there, he went on toward the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent. And with Bethel on the west and I on the east, there he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. And then Abram set out and continued toward the Negev. All right. Interesting section of Scripture. The, the first part of chapter 12 is very well known. I would imagine many of you have heard that before, the call of Abram. And this is arguably one of the most important passages of Scripture in the entire book of Genesis. It serves as a very critical bridge between what is often referred to as the primeval history and the patriarchal history, right? Primeval history would be all of Genesis 1 through 11, right? This is, this is the story of creation, the story of Adam and Eve, the story of Noah, the story of Tower of Babel, right? These are all the things that really kind of give a very broad, comprehensive explanation to humanity as a whole. And then you get to Genesis 12, and in the story of Abram begins to reach back towards the primeval history by giving us a clue as to how God is going to bless all these families of the world that we've just read about, but he also sets the tone for everything you're about to read for Abraham and his line, the patriarchs. Right, that this all starts here with this covenant. This is the story that there is a promise that has been extended to this particular chosen people that God has has set apart, that he's going to bless, that he's going to protect, that he's going to give a great nation to, that he's going to give them this land, right? It all starts with this transition with this particular covenant. So it's a hugely important text. Now what really strikes me, and the reason I included part of chapter 11 is because when you read the end of chapter 11, it's more than just a genealogy, right? And it reads more than like a genealogy. A lot of those other genealogical sections of Scripture is so-and-so begets so-and-so, so-and-so begets so-and-so. They lived 180 years, so. and, it, and it's just repetitive. This one, it reads different, doesn't it? It's got a little bit more context. It's got a little bit more detail. And the reason is, is because the author here of Genesis is not just trying to explain Abram's line, but some of the circumstances that led to this particular moment, that led to this covenant. And there are certain things I want us to draw from that I think can serve as a good uh, example and a word of encouragement for us as we consider our own personal devotion and commitment because Abraham becomes a chief example for all of us of what does it mean to be motivated and to hanker our devotion in faith. Right? So, so the first thing I want to extract from the end of chapter 11 is that Abram is leaving Ur, the land of the Chaldeans. Right? That's, that's where he's coming from. And when you begin to read throughout the rest of Scripture, Ur of the Chaldeans, the land of the Chaldeans, becomes synonymous with Babylon. You start reading Isaiah and Ezekiel, they start referring to Babylon as the land of the Chaldeans, where the Chaldeans are. And if you're familiar with biblical terminology and imagery at all, Babylon typically represents oppression. It represents exile. It represents sin. Right? So this was a very literal calling Right? And I don't know that in the moment to the audience within which that first read this and, and the group that it first happened to fully put all this together, but as you and I have the benefit to look back on it thousands of years later, we have the ability to see the powerful metaphor that is at play there. Right, That when God calls us and we respond with devotion, it typically results in us being called out of sin. Right? It, is, it is a calling of liberation. It is a calling out of darkness into marvelous light. And so when you think about the things that God is asking you to do, when you think about your commitments, your devotion to him, it typically results in you leaving the things of this world, leaving these areas of darkness, leaving these these impulses and these traps towards sin. And so for many of us, when we think about the devotion, the commitment that we wanna extend to the Lord, we need to ask ourselves that question. Is that true? Am I seeing that sort of deliverance in my life? Do I, do I have a sense of what God is calling me out of? Things I need to leave behind, things I need to surrender and let go of. And how many of us are, on the other hand, though, maintaining a certain lifestyle that keeps us in the land of the Chaldeans, that keeps us entrapped with some of the things he's trying to set us free from? Now, that can be a hard question to answer, right? Because the reality is we're all still gonna struggle with brokenness. Right, because we, we live in a broken world and we're fallen people. And so it's not like we're gonna be able to just be perfect and, and fully liberated until Jesus returns. So sometimes the struggles that we have are just a part of that broken nature living in a broken world. But, but maybe that's the question, right? Is that what I'm struggling with or am I not really being called out of this land? Am I still struggling with this sin because honestly my devotion is stronger to the world than it is to the Lord? And I'm choosing to stay in the land of the Chaldeans. I'm choosing to stay in some of these arenas that, that I know God is calling me out of. Those are the sorts of questions we need to ask ourselves when we think about what does it mean to respond to this gospel with commitment and devotion. Right? It's pretty significant that Abram and his family were called out of the land of Ur, out of the land of the Chaldeans for a reason. Now that leads to another very interesting point. It's very clear that that was the place of origin that Abram was called out of. And you can see that evidence in other scriptures. I have a few that I can read to you this morning. Genesis 15, seven refers back to this moment and says, he also said to them, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to take possession of it. Nehemiah 9, seven says something similar. You are the Lord God who chose Abram and brought him out of Ur of the Chaldeans and named him Abraham. Acts chapter seven, two, and three is Stephen. If you remember Stephen who gets stoned and when he gives his testimony before the Sanhedrin, he actually starts with a story of Abram and he gives a very detailed explanation of the sequence of events that I think are really interesting. He says, Stephen, to this, he replied, brothers and fathers, listen to me. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham while he was still in Mesopotamia before he lived in Haran. Leave your country and your people, God said. Go to the land I will show you. So he left the land of the Chaldeans and settled in Haran. And after the death of his father, God sent him to this land where you are now living. Here's why that is so interesting to me. It's very clear, biblically speaking, that Abram and his family were being called out of the land of the Chaldeans. But you know who first got them to leave? It wasn't Abram, it was his father, Terah. Terah started the journey, not Abram. And that really struck me. And and to be honest, we don't have enough detail to answer all the questions that that elicits in my mind, right? But there are a lot of questions. Why did Terah leave the land of Ur, the land of the Chaldeans? If this was a call specifically for Abram, why did Terah start it? And we don't know. Like, like did Abram come and tell him and say, hey, I had this, this interaction with the Lord. He said we need to go to Canaan, and his father was like, okay, let's do it. Did God speak to Terah himself, and we don't know? Did, did, did he look around and see the level of sinfulness that existed with the Chaldeans and think, I can't live here anymore, we're leaving? Was it because of grief? Right? Did you notice the little reference earlier that that lost a son, Haran? Was he so overwhelmed with grief that everywhere he turned there was a reminder of the son that he lost? He's like, I can't stay here? We don't know. But Abram's journey out of Ur didn't start with him. It started with his father. And what that says to me is that a lot of times, God gives us people to help us take our first step. So who is that in your life? And maybe he's calling you to something, but maybe the way you discern that call is by understanding who God has placed in your life that helps you take that first step to pursue that calling. Maybe it's circumstantial. Maybe there are things that are happening in your life right now that God is repositioning you, moving you out of where he doesn't want you for a particular reason, even if you don't fully understand it. And that's where faith comes in. When he calls us, he uses other people. God is orchestrating this masterpiece that oftentimes escapes our full comprehension and knowledge. He's going to use other people in the same way that he used Torah to help Abram take that first step. Which then leads to the next part of this story that I found really interesting, which was verse 31, right? If you go back and look at that, Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, son of Haran, his daughter-in-law Sarah, the wife of his son Abram, and together they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan, right? So they're leaving for Canaan. That's, That's the destination. We're out, we're going to Canaan. But look at how verse 31 ends. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. That also struck me and, and elicited a whole bunch of questions that we don't have the answers to. Why? He was leaving for Canaan. Why did he stop in Haran? What prompted that? Why didn't they continue on? And we don't know. Like we have no, no real answer to be able to, to arrive at some Uh, definitive conclusion. But think about the possibilities, right? I mean, there there are a lot of different things, right? Like maybe he was passing along the way. He's like, man, the home prices in Haran are just unbeatable, guys. We need to stay here, right? Like maybe he got tired. Maybe he looked and said, man, my family can't go any further. Maybe he got distracted and he forgot that he really was supposed to go to Canaan. Like who knows? But I think it's worth asking ourselves this because when you look at that verse, specifically the word settled, I think there's something teachable for us when we consider that. He settled in Haran. And when you hear the word settled, I think you can look at that from two different lenses, two different angles today. One somewhat negative, and yet one somewhat positive. And those, either one, could apply to our own situations. Let's consider the negative, for example. Let's let's say that Terah got distracted, he lost focus. He got afraid, he got tired, he got weary, whatever it was. And the reality was that he wasn't supposed to settle in Haran. He forgot about Canaan. And so he had settled for something less than. And we know what that's like. We talk about this before. That's often how we use this word. A lot of times we'll talk about it in relation to a job or a career. Right, we've settled for something that we didn't think we were gonna do. We'll we'll talk about it with our homes, with our cars, with our neighborhoods, whatever, right? We're settling for something less than what we had expected. And it's one thing when we feel that with a job. It's one thing when we feel that with a car, with a neighborhood. It's totally different when that applies to our calling. Have you settled for less than what God has called you to? You know he's called you to Canaan. And you stopped running after it. You got distracted, you lost focus, and you've settled for something less than what he's asked you to do. It happens to us all the time. Devotion doesn't grow weary. Devotion continues. Devotion continues the journey. That's what commitment looks like. And so maybe for some of us, we'd have to stop and go, yeah, I've settled for less than what God asked me to do. And I need to reignite that commitment to press on. I need to keep pursuing Canaan. So that would be the negative side. But there's also a positive side that it could apply. And the difference and the nuance between the two is very difficult to discern. It's the Holy Spirit that really will only give you clarity. But on the positive side, sometimes we need to recognize that God puts us right where he wants us. Right? Maybe that's exactly where God wanted him, told him to stop. Right, similar to these moments where we see in other parts of scripture, God had a plan, he knew Terah was not the one that was supposed to lead them into Canaan, that was Abram, right? In the same way that David said, Lord, let me ask, let me build you a temple. And the Lord said, that's not for you to do, that's for your son Solomon. God had a plan. It was not in Terah's plan uh, to to lead them into Canaan, so God had him exactly where he wanted. And so I wonder if that was the case, did Terah know that? Or was he sitting around thinking about, man, I never made it to Canaan. I wish we were there. This isn't what I thought it would be. It's not what I wanted it to be. We need, we need to do all these different things. And he was sitting there constantly thinking about where he wasn't rather than where he was. And how many times we can miss an understanding of God's calling because we're thinking about what we aren't rather than where we are. And sometimes we have to say, no, God has me exactly where I need to be. He settled me here for a reason. This is my calling. I'm going to live to it faithfully and trust his plan. Right? And so whether it's, it's a positive understanding of it or a negative understanding of it, the reaction is ultimately the same. It takes faith. Right? A faith that's going to say, I'm going to have the courage to take the next step and keep pursuing what God called me to. Or I'm going to have the faith to say, nope, I'm right where I need to be. I don't need to be thinking about where I'm not. I'm going to think about where I am. There's some beautiful aspects to this, which then leads to this pivotal moment where God actually speaks to Abram. A couple of things about this and we'll be done. He speaks to Abram. He says, go to the land that I will show you. Leave your country, leave your people, leave your father's household. Leave it all. And when we hear God say that to Abram, it's a beautiful reminder that God's calling, a life of devotion is always marked with sacrifice. Right? It, he wasn't calling him to a life of ease and comfort. He was calling him to a life of sacrifice. He was calling him out of what was familiar, to go live as a foreigner in a foreign land. God's call always requires sacrifice. By the time Jesus arrives and he extends it, you know what it sounds like? Take up your cross, deny yourself, follow me. That's what devotion looks like. It includes sacrifice. Sacrifice. So a question we need to ask ourselves in this season of life, what sacrifices have I made to pursue God's call? And if we can't answer that, and we can't think of any, then maybe the next question is, well, then am I following God's call? Because if it hasn't cost me anything, that could be an indicator that maybe I'm following the world, maybe more than I'm following the Lord. It always includes Sacrifice. And not just what sacrifices have I made, but what sacrifices will I make? What sacrifices am I willing to continue to make? He's still calling me. My journey is not over. But make no mistake, devotion understands sacrifice and is willing to make that sort of sacrifice. Which leads to me kind of the main point of this whole message that I'll conclude with, which is why then was Abram willing to do it? That's a costly request to to leave your country, to not even know where I'm going, to a land I'll show you, not even tell me where, and to to go and to make that journey and that effort to leave everything that I know this familiar. That's that's a big request, so why would I do it? A couple of things that we see. Number one, God promises blessing, right? He promises blessing, and that's something we should never look past. Now, we need to understand, blessing doesn't always manifest itself in this life. It didn't for Abram. Right? Have you noticed that none of these promises were really fulfilled in his life? He goes to Canaan. He doesn't inhabit the land. He doesn't yet have a son. His name isn't great. It's not a great nation. None of those promises were fulfilled. But what do we see Abram do at least two different times in those final verses, the first part of chapter 12? He worships. <laughs> he builds an altar to the Lord. And he worships before the promises are fulfilled because he trusts and he has faith that God's blessing will be brought to fulfillment and yes sometimes those blessings are are received in this life but more often than not it's really waiting for the life that is to come which is one of the beautiful descriptions of Abraham's life and his legacy. Let me refer to you to uh, Hebrews chapter 11. You don't have to turn there, but just listen to this and why Abram is such a great model for us when we think about devotion. Hebrews 11 refers to this particular story and it says, By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place where he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. So by faith, is what is marking Abraham's devotion and then look at what it says in verse 10 for he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God <laughs> that was the anchor and the motivation of Abraham's faith what's yours right Abraham was not trying to move to Canaan because it had better school districts and more affordable housing and better career opportunities He did it because he was looking forward to the city of God. And whether he was a foreigner or he received all those blessings, he was going to worship because his faith and his devotion was to focus on his creator who was first in his heart. Is he first in yours? So that whether it's how you're raising your children at home, how you're managing your career, how you're managing school, how you're engaging with this church, what does your devotion look like? Is it stirred by faith? Is it focused on the city that is to come? Is it looking forward on this heavenly dwelling whose foundations are built by God? That's where our devotion and our commitments have to be aimed And that's why we gather here week after week to encourage one another to that end. To look to his word, to sing together, to pray together and say, okay, Lord, take my life. Take my moments, take my days. Take my hands, take my feet, take my voice, my silver, my gold, my will, my love and use them for you and for you alone. And the only way we truly do that is when we make him first in our heart. Let that be our commitment today and forevermore. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we love you, and we thank you for the opportunity once again, Father, to learn what it means to live a renewed life marked with devotion. We confess, God, that there are so many times that we We stay in the land of the Chaldeans. We stay in a place that you're trying to call us out of. Help us, Father, to break free. God, help us to look to the people and the circumstances that you've put around us that allow us to pursue your calling on our lives, that stir that devotion within us. God, help us to recognize the sacrifices that we need to make and help us to make them with courage and in faith. God, help help us to be able to, to let go of the things that can so easily distract and hinder us. And may we always be motivated, God, by the promises of your blessings, whether they come into fulfillment in this life or the life that is to come. May they be anchored in you. God, we thank you so much for all that you do for us. May you forever be first in our hearts. We love you, Father. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.